Good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the Worship Arts Pastor here at New Life. I want to say a special welcome to those of you, as Pastor Alex did earlier. If this is your first time here with us, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to come to worship and be part of our service. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you. We plan for you. Hope you've had a great time so far. And if you're a regular family member, thanks so much for uh, coming back out today. We're glad to have you here as we worship Jesus together. Uh, we're entering into part two of our series, Experiencing God, and if you've been around since September, you know that we're in a year-long themed uh, theme called Experiencing God Unreserved, and the reason that we wanted to step into this this year is because we know that God has so much more for us to, to step into and to experience, and, uh, and we want that for everybody. We want to all experience that together because we know that as the church steps into and lives what God has planned for them, uh, that, that he will be glorified and that many, many people's lives will be transformed and changed. And we know that because the Apostle Paul actually told a church in a city called Ephesus uh, that very thing. In fact, here's what he said in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He said, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Now, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about yourself as a masterpiece? And some of you, maybe if you get up in the morning and be like, dang, I look good. You know, <clears throat> we'll talk about that in a later series. Um, that's called pride. We'll deal with that. Um, <laughs> But no, like most of us, right, we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror and be like, man, I just, I feel like, I feel like I messed up. I feel like my life is screwed up. I feel like I haven't, I'm just missing it. I don't know. I just have this tension and, and we don't feel like masterpieces. But Paul's telling us, no, 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 listen, God has created you as a masterpiece. He's created you anew in Christ Jesus and then he has work for you to do. And that's what we learned last week, that God is always at work around us, Always. He's constantly working. And next week, we're going to focus on that, that this last part of Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 10, that says that God has created good works for us to do from long ago, even before we were born. God had these works planned. But today, we're going to focus on this middle portion of Ephesians 2.10, where Paul says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So today, I want to talk to you about God's great pursuit. One time, Jesus was having a meal with some religious leaders, Pharisees and teachers of the law. And uh, this was a customary thing where if you had a teacher, you would have what was called a symposia. That is where you would have dinner, have them come over and, and teach you. Um, so this was way back before the internet. So this is what people did for fun. And, uh, and so they would come in and, uh, and the teacher would begin to teach and, and they would eat together. And it was usually a really great experience and so the Pharisees kind of had an ulterior motive. They were actually looking to trap Jesus into something that he would say that would come against their law so that they could sentence him to death. But something actually completely different happened at this meal. Jesus was, was speaking, and, and people in the community actually heard that Jesus was talking. And anywhere Jesus went, people gathered around because of what he taught and what he did. And so there were these people who came into the meal. Now, I don't know if they just had bad walls or no locks on their doors. I don't know what happened. But all of a sudden, in this room, there are just people. And they're coming in off the street from the community here because they want to hear Jesus speaking. And what we learn is that this actually ticks off the Pharisees and the religious leaders pretty bad. Because they didn't want to associate with those people. They didn't want those people who were outside of the religious group 
to come in and, and certainly have a meal with them because they didn't know if the, if the food was going to be safe or, you know, most of all, they were more concerned about being guilty, with, uh, you know, associating with them, right? It's guilty by association. That's what they were worried about. They didn't want the other religious leaders in their community to think, oh my goodness, he's eating with those people. They must be sinners. And it was a really kind of a unique experience. And Jesus takes the opportunity and leverages it for God's kingdom. And that's where we're going to pick up our account today in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to start in verse 1. You can check out on your phone as well and your favorite Bible app, or it'll be on the screen for you as well. So here's what it says. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So the religious leaders, they were, they were angry because these people, these people, entered into this moment where they were trying to hear Jesus teach. And, and they, they probably felt a little bit yucky because they were kind of outside of their clique, if you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, maybe some of you have experienced that where you've been outside of a clique. Well, one of my favorite uh, trilogies, I think it's probably the best trilogy in the last 35 years, is uh, Back to the Future. Anybody ever seen Back to the Future? How many of you love the first movie? How many of you love the second movie? Second movie was eh. The third movie, how about that one? That movie was the bomb. I don't care what y'all think. That was the best one, all right? But, uh, but anyway, so in the first movie, and I'm going to give away a little bit of the plot here. So um, if you haven't seen it, shame on you. It's been out for 35 years. Um, so, so in this movie, there's this guy named George McFly. He ends up to be Marty's, uh, Marty, who's his son. He goes back to the future, or back to the past. Actually, that's, that's what's confusing about this movie is he's going back into the past in, in the first uh, show. And so he's back there, and he meets his dad, and his dad's trying to woo his mother, Lorraine. And he's in this diner, and George McFly is one of these guys that really nobody wanted to be part of his group. Right? He's just kind of an annoying guy, can't really speak well. In fact, he goes over to Lorraine, and he's trying to win her over, just like all of us do uh, if you're trying to woo a, a woman. right? You go over and you, you give her an impassioned speech. And uh, by the way, I never did this, but um, I don't know. I should have taken my cues from George McFly. Maybe it went better. But anyway, um, so he goes over to Lorraine, and he, he says, Lorraine, you need to know you're my density. I mean, my destiny, right? And, uh, man, way to screw that one up. Um, but, but George McFly was one of those guys, and then in comes uh, Biff and all of his bad dudes, and they begin to rough up George McFly and, and throw him out. Well, George McFly was like one of those other people that the Pharisees didn't want to have eating with them, right? Just kind of made them feel Ugh, like, I don't really think this is right. And what Jesus does is he takes that moment to say, no, no, listen, we're all... All of you are those people, right? That's what Jesus is saying, is he didn't just come for the religious leaders and the Pharisees. He came for everyone. 
And Jesus takes that moment to tell the religious leaders about God's great pursuit. And that is this, that God sent Jesus to reach those people. That's what God did. He goes after us. We are God's great pursuit because he wants to be in relationship with us. In fact, that's our take-home point for today. That's the one thing, as you go out today, I hope that you'll understand that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. God continues and he pursues a love, ongoing love relationship with you that is real and personal. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus was telling the Pharisees. Now, Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, he tells the story of a young university student, and uh, she had gone through some pretty devastating events and was kind of thrown into the pit of despair and decided to end the pain, she would just end it all. And so she made a plan, and on that day, she was going to the location where she planned to, to take her own life, and on her way there, she heard her name being called. And just like any of us do when we're trying to to accomplish something that, that we want to get done. We just, she kind of ignored it. And she heard her name getting closer, and she just started walking faster. And then finally, this person caught up to her and grabbed her and, and turned her around. Now, now, this person must have been an extrovert and a type A person, <laughs> because not only did she go right up to her, she turned her around and said, listen, you're coming with me to this new Bible study. And she actually took her to this Bible study where they were studying experiencing God. And they were talking about what we're talking about today, that God pursues a continual and ongoing love relationship that is real and personal. And in that moment, she received Jesus in her life and her life was transformed because God's loving presence was made known to her. And then she was just completely transformed. She had hope. She had love. She is experiencing uh, everything that she was lacking. And it was found in Jesus in that love relationship. And God used her life to reach more people. I want to tell you another story about a young man. This young man grew up in a Christian home, actually had parents who loved Jesus and prayed that someday their son would love Jesus as well. And uh, he grew up just like any other young man. He had some misguided desires that expressed themselves in unhealthy ways. And uh, one, of, one of the things that he did was he started listening to music and really loved music. His dad loved music, so he loved music, and, and he began to listen to it, and, uh, and he eventually got into a genre that was, that was probably not so good at the time, and, and so he, but he really loved it, and he began to, to align himself with the artists that he listened to. And what happened was a few words here and a few words there, and in a couple of years, he was acting more like a thug than he was anything else. He was, he was messed up, and he needed help. One day in his middle school years, his family started attending a dynamic church, actually, and uh, they went to a, uh, this, this youth group, and at the youth group, the youth pastor came up to the young man and said, listen, I want you to go to this music festival. I think it'll be a really good thing for you, and, and it, yeah, keep in mind, this, this young man loved music, so he said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know, and so they go out to this music festival that uh, is, is uh, actually, it's out in south central Pennsylvania. And, um, and they went to this festival, and it was a powerful, powerful festival. They, they had this band on stage, and the band played. Their show was awesome. They had a white guy that was trying to rap, and, you know, so the young man gave him a little bit of props for that. Um, but he needed some help. But anyway, 
So, so it, was, it was good, and then all of a sudden there came out a speaker, and the speaker came out and began to tell the story of God's pursuit. And that story is that God sent Jesus to live a life that that young man could not live. And that Jesus died a death on the cross that that young man should have died so that he could, could be, pay the penalty for his sin. And then three days later, God raised Jesus back from the dead so that that young man could be filled with eternal life here and now and forever. A brand new life. And that young man received those words and God's presence met him there. And he went up to the, to the tent and they prayed all together, him and his bunch of his friends and their, some of their leaders. And, and as they are coming back up into the, the, uh, the rest of the worship experience, it was totally different. He wasn't paying attention anymore to what the band was doing. He was focused on what God had done that night in his life. He was completely changed, a transformed young man. And that young man was me. And I want to show you a picture of where this happened. So let's put that picture up, guys. So this is where this is at, South Central uh, Pennsylvania. It's called Agape Farms. And the festival was Creation Festival. And that's what it looks like. Uh, on any normal day, but during festival week, it looks like this. So, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, so if you look right down here towards the bottom of the screen, you'll see the main stage there. And I was somewhere up to the left of that stage. And uh, if you go to the next, next slide, you'll see this is kind of what it looks like down below. So there are thousands and thousands of people here. And yet God pursued me to that field in South Central Pennsylvania, in that crowd. And he told me that he loved me and wanted me to be part of his family. You see, here's why I share that story with you, is because God created us for an intimate and ongoing personal relationship. God created us for an intimate and ongoing personal relationship, and he will pursue us. He's coming after us. That's what Jesus was saying. Listen, God wants you to be part of his family. God wants you to have this loving, ongoing, real, personal, intimate relationship. And nothing can stop God's love. Look what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He told the Romans, he said, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God's pursuit. Overwhelming victory is ours. I love that. I love that Paul used those words that we have overwhelming victory because I don't know about you, but I need that every day of my life. I need overwhelming victory. In fact, we could say it this way. We have overwhelming victory because of God's extraordinary love. God is coming after us as a good and perfect heavenly father 
who wants his sons and his daughters to be in his kingdom, to experience the more that he created us for. That's what God wants. He wants us to be in that relationship with him. God is always at work around us. He's always pursuing people so they can experience his love. And God wants us to experience all for which he created us. But here's the thing. We can't attain this. We can't have this unless we're recreated. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2.10 that he's creating us anew. He has to do this work in us, and it happens through Jesus. We have to be recreated if we're going to experience all that God has for us. You see, God is, is pursuing us so that he can give us his son, Jesus, so that we can be welcomed in his family. When we believe in Jesus, we receive his life. We are welcomed into his family, and we can then be in relationship with God as we were designed from the beginning. That's the important thing that we understand. In fact, Henry Blackaby says this. He says, everything in life will be out of order when God's basic purpose for life is missing. God's basic purpose for your life and for mine is to be in relationship with him. That's his basic purpose. And if we miss that, our lives are going to seem out of order. They're going to seem a wreck. They're going to seem messed up until we understand that. Now, Matthew 18, we find a similar account to what we see in Luke chapter 15, but it has a little bit of a different inflection because Jesus is now going to turn his attention to a different group of people. So let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to begin here in verse 12. It says this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out and search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. So Jesus is actually turning his attention to a different group. In Luke 15, he's talking about people who've been running from God their whole life, have never made a commitment to him. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is, uses this phrase, little ones. And what he means by that are people who would already be believers, people who are already trusting in God but have wandered away from him. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus uses the same image for people who are completely rejected God in their life, and he's pursuing them with everything he has. And then people who have believed in Jesus, but have wandered away, he's pursuing them with everything he has. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't want any one of us to be outside of everything that he has for us in this relationship. And so today, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've believed in him, but you haven't really been following, maybe you got stalled out, maybe you took a, a different path, God's calling you back today. And I just sense like the Spirit of God is just saying to those of you who've been running from him your whole life, and for those of you who've been running from him for whatever reason, even though you've believed in him, he's just saying, stop. I love you. And I want you to be in this relationship with me. I'm coming after you. Just like a good father does. That's the kind of God we serve. 
A father who wants to be in relationship with his children. A father who cares deeply what happens in our lives. So much so that he prepares works for us to do. So that we can experience the fullness of the life that he's given to us. And guys, I don't want us to miss out on this. So in a little bit, I'm going to pray for those of you who maybe you're running from God today. And God's stirring you up right now. Like, he's telling you, I love you, and and today we're going to settle this. And maybe you've trusted him, but you've wandered away, and he's saying the same thing. I love you. The question is, what do we do in response to this great pursuit of God? The first thing we have to do is we have to put our faith in Jesus. So when I pray in a little bit, I'm going to pray for those who who need to put their faith in Jesus for the first time. I'm going to pray for you to do that. And then I'm going to pray for those of you who've wandered away that your faith will be renewed and restored and made strong. And for those who are, things are good right now with you and God, I'm going to pray for more boldness and a deeper relationship. That God would deepen our faith because we first put our faith in Jesus. The second thing is we must walk daily with God. We must walk We must walk with God daily. That's what we need to do. That's the second thing. We can't do that unless we do the first thing. Like you you can't walk with God if you don't know him. So you gotta know God. But then once you know him, you walk daily with him. And Henry Blackaby says that a lot of people struggle in this area because we try to treat it like a discipline. You know, like I gotta get up at five. I gotta have my coffee. I'm gonna get out my Bible and I'm gonna read and pray. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all unless it feels like a chore. Because what Henry Blackaby says is, is when that, when that feels like a chore, when it feels like that discipline, like it just grinds against you, that's not a good thing for your relationship with God because what God wants is a relationship. He doesn't want you to have to be with him. He wants you to want to be with him. He wants you to just sit down and tell him, hey, you know what, God, today stunk. It was awful. And I'm really hurting. He wants to love on you. Or maybe today was great. Man, I got a raise. God, thank you so much for that. That is a blessing. Whatever it is, God just wants to share that relationship with you. Just like you share relationships with one another. And it moves from discipline to relationship. That's what God wants. That's what it means to walk daily with him. Then finally, we must express our love in tangible ways. A person cannot love without another person to love. And our relationship with God is personal and interactive. In fact, Henry Blackaby says this. He says, our relationship with God is real, personal, and practical. So as we're knowing God, we put our faith in him, then we spend time with God. What ends up happening is God begins to lead us by his Holy Spirit. And as we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, he begins to tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't do. That's the practical portion of this. It's the most practical thing. God's presence is the most practical thing in our lives because he's able to tell us what's good, the things that we should do. So as we go out today, I want to challenge us to live this next step. It says this, I will engage in a daily love relationship with God this week. You can't do that unless you make a commitment today 
to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But if you have, you've wandered away, I want you to come back to him today. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He just wants you to come back. And as we do that, God will transform us and we will experience more of what he has for us. In fact, Henry Blackaby says this. He says, we, when, when your relationship with God is at its deepest level he intends, you will find enormous satisfaction and joy in your walk with him. To be loved by God, don't miss this, to be loved by God is the greatest relationship, it's the highest achievement, and the noblest position in life. Not your job, not your marriage, not your kids, your relationship with God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you came here and lived a life we couldn't live, that you died a death we should have died, that you were raised back to life by your heavenly Father. You overcame sin and death forever so that we could be made right with you. And today, God, my prayer is for those who are here today who for the very first time, they're sensing your stirring, your, your pursuit, they feel you. In this field, in this building in Saxonburg, they know you're here calling them to you. So God, right now, would you just meet them where they are? Father, as they believe in Jesus, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? That they would experience your love and grace in this moment by trusting in you. God, thank you for them. I know there is a party in heaven because they are deciding to follow you today. And God, for those who who've maybe strayed away, have wandered away, God, would you just welcome them back in this moment, God? Would you just wrap your loving arms around them? Let them know, listen, we're starting fresh today. This is day one of our new relationship. God, would you restore the joy of their salvation? Renew a right spirit within them and bring about your presence daily in their lives. And God, for those who, man, things are going really, really well, I pray a blessing on their relationship. God, I pray that, that you would just do more, that you would take us to a deeper level, Father, that we could experience more of what you have. Holy Spirit, don't leave us where we're at today. Continue to lead us. Help us to hear your voice better so that your presence will be the most practical experience, the most real experience in our daily lives. This we pray in Jesus' name.